Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Money, Mitch Effect. I'm your host, Mitch Michaels, and thank you for joining me on this sports podcast as we break down all things in the world of sports. Got a big show planned for you today. Going to talk to my buddy Ryan Souls about another NFL week, week five in the books. We recap all the games, including the Browns going 2-2-1 now on the season. What's up with the NFC East? The Rams and Chiefs stay undefeated. Blake Bortles looking very terrible. And all the Bengals for real. A lot to discuss in the world of the NFL. First up, my buddy Matt Wittenberg, former co-worker. We're going to talk MLB playoffs. His Dodgers are into the NLCS. My Indians get swept out by the Astros. We break down all of the action in the first round of the playoffs. As well as look back at UFC 229. Khabib Nurmagomedov. I got that right there. Yeah, Khabib taking out Conor McGregor, but then also going out of the octagon as well. We talk about that and, and what's what's really going through his head, what we think happened, and uh, where we go from here. It's the Money Mitch Effect. Matt Wittenberg first, Ryan Souls next. Let's start the show. Now it's time on the Money Mitch Effect to talk baseball, UFC, some other things with my friend joining the podcast yet again matt wittenberg matt thanks for coming back on the money mitch effect oh, of course mitch thanks for having me back best time of the sports calendar right now with uh college football in full swing baseball playoffs going on nfl a few weeks in so uh yeah plenty to talk about yeah and the top story which you didn't mention the the biggest story i think we would agree on is the coyotes are wearing the kachina jerseys again yeah, absolutely. Unfortunately, not getting it quite done on the ice just yet, but hey, they'll find their groove. I can't believe I neglected to mention, yeah, NHL started up too, but yeah, I just ordered myself one of those uh, oh, nice. a bad boys, so hopefully get it coming in the mail here this week, and hopefully it, they turn their uh, slow start around. Yeah, it, it, it is a big, I mean, that's one of the best third jerseys, but we saw last night too, the Ducks wore the, uh, the 90s, Anaheim, Mighty Ducks. Gordon Bay style jerseys too so it's a big year I can feel it it's going to be a big year for third jerseys the Whaler jerseys coming back which I can't wait for Carolina's wearing that so I'm excited for hockey and definitely all the new jerseys we're going to see but unfortunately we're going to have to talk baseball and I say unfortunately because one of us is happy and the other one isn't <laughs> I think we can figure out that pretty fast but props to the Dodgers yet again they're back into the NLCS it's been uh, quite a run they've had, six division titles, and now back in the NLCS for the sixth straight time, Matt. And it, it really third straight. third straight time, excuse me. But they've had they've had their opportunities in the playoffs, I should say. And I think this year was maybe the most adversity they faced. Do you think that's fair to say? Because they started out so slow, a lot of people thought that the run might be over, and it wasn't as easy as it had been in years past. Just look at how many days they were division leaders in September. I think the Dodgers showed a lot of grit this year. I'm not sure if this is going to result in a title, but adversity-wise, this is, I think, the most they faced. Oh, absolutely. I think there's, uh, without a doubt, this has been their uh, toughest season in recent memories. You see them 10 games below 500 uh, fairly early out of the gates in the season, and then with uh, Colorado and Arizona being so strong pretty much throughout the whole year. So, yeah, they had their backs up against the wall for a good portion of the season and really had to turn it on late. Obviously they make the uh, move at the trade deadline, bringing in Manny Machado, which is huge, losing Corey Seager for the year and just replacing him with another all-star 
top like five shortstop, top three shortstop in the league. So huge and then underrated move and bringing uh, David Freeze in before the uh, waiver deadline. So yeah, played a lot of uh, played a lot of like clutch baseball, which naturally you don't know if it's going to necessarily translate into the playoffs, but so far it has. And I feel like this team, yeah, has been playing with a little bit of that backs against the wall mentality so far. So it's been a, been an interesting ride to say the least. Hasn't been the easiest for me (laughs) watching this team struggle for throughout big stretches of the season, but they turned it on when they needed to getting the big uh, tiebreaker win over Colorado, which was huge to avoid, playing in the wild card wild card game and yeah the braves were a really good uh young team but uh uh, they're young so i didn't expect this series to go five necessarily but they they showed a lot of promise too but i'm glad the dodgers were really able to pull that put it away in uh four didn't want to see that get to game five at all right i do think and those accusations those uh those players that they acquired i should say they all came up big in game four. I mean, Machado hits the home run. Freeze hits the two, R, two out, two RBI base hit. Those were big acquisitions that came up and, and made plays. And I actually thought it was kind of a smart move. I'm not the biggest Dave Roberts fan. I'm, I shouldn't say Dave Roberts fan. I think they have a, an analytics-style approach that's like at the top of the analytics approaches in baseball. But I did like the fact, <laughs> Matt, that they went with Rue in game one and Kershaw in game two. And I think what it also did... It kept Kershaw fresh for game two, which he pitched the game of his postseason life, which is saying a lot. But it also maybe took a little bit of the pressure off. Like, we still got our ace coming in game two. We can still go in game five if we need to. I really think the team rallied around Rue, and uh, I think that decision was a great one. Yeah, and uh, hindsight, it really looks like a great one, too. I, I wasn't necessarily expecting Rue to pitch that well in game one, but, hey, down the stretch, he was arguably the team's best pitcher, him and Walker Buehler, surprisingly enough, with Kershaw being a little bit uh, worse than those two down the stretch of the season. But, I mean, worse by his standards, not to say that he's been bad at all. But And, yeah, you could tell that he was probably a little missed that he didn't get the ball in game one. But, hey, he went out game two, played, pitched, like you said, probably his best postseason game ever, eight shutout innings. He wanted to go out and pitch the ninth. But uh, – Dave Roberts went opted for uh, Kenley Jensen in that situation, and it worked out. So, I mean, he'll get the ball. Uh, Kershaw will get the ball in game one of the NLCS, so now he'll have his chance to really set the tone in the series and prove that he's the ace that he's been. So, uh, obviously his uh, postseason history isn't the greatest, but the last couple of years he's really turned that narrative around, and here's hoping that he keeps it going against Milwaukee. Yeah, so many guys in that Dodgers lineup that can mash a lot of power, as we know. And and you mentioned the Braves being young. It was a great year for them. I think they opened that void that the Nationals, by just having a terrible year, created. (laughs) But, yeah, the Braves with Acuna, who hit the Grand Slam in Game 3, and some of their players, they're going to be back, and they're going to be in it for the long haul, I think. And the Dodgers move on to play the Milwaukee Brewers, which is, is pretty remarkable. It feels like... Matt, they haven't lost in like three weeks. I know, I know they had a little bit, but it feels like they've been on an all-time tear, and it's the clearest case of an MVP that I can remember in recent memory with Christian Yelich. He's a one-man wrecking crew, and this team, I would even say, I would even warn you as a Dodger fan, when it doesn't make sense, that's when it's time to get a little worried, and I think the Brewers, they've just got the right mojo going on right now. Yeah, they're an extremely tough team ended up with uh, the best record in the National League, so you know that they're really good. 
they had to win that uh, tiebreaker game against the Cubs and Wrigley to clinch the division, and that they've been on a roll since. They only let Colorado score two runs in their division series, sweep them out, and other than the Dodgers, yeah, the Brewers are the team that hit the most home runs out of the NL, so that lineup's really strong. Yelich has been the hottest player in the planet in September, just ending the season on a tear and wrapping up that MVP award, and they're going to be a t- that's going to be a tough series. Uh, their bullpen is probably their strongest suit. So, I think the key for the whole series is that if the Dodgers can't score off of their starters, then it's going to be a really tough time for them getting yeah. generating runs off of that bullpen. So that's something to ro- watch early on in that series. It's fascinating how every year we we do this. We're we're kind of surprised when teams don't have the big names, but bullpen strength might be the best thing that you might be the most important thing that you need in this playoff run. Just look at the Astros this year and some of the teams that are struggling, the Indians that we'll get to, but I mean the the Brewers bullpen (laughs) is as good as any team in the NL and up there in in baseball. And I do agree with you. I think if the Brewers get a lead, they just put the clamps on and it's hard to score. I'm I'm very fascinated to see how the Dodgers approach Yelich, how they, are they going to pitch to him? Are they going to try to pitch around him? And Braun, who, look, I can't stand him, but he's playing well again. Yeah, absolutely. Recapturing that old uh, 2011 form, unfortunately, when Matt Kemp got robbed of MVP that year. So. <laughs> we were just talking about that yeah. the other day. Um, I, 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 Full disclosure, at the time, I thought it was a tough race that Braun deserved, but that's before all that other stuff came out. So, yeah, in hindsight, I agree with you. Kemp got robbed. Yeah. Um, Obviously, I'm not still bitter about that one. So, that's, yeah, just a little extra narrative to go along to the NLCS as if it needed one. And it's going to be interesting. Dodgers not having home field in this one. Milwaukee's an interesting park to play in. Uh, yeah, it's going to be off, up to the starters to get this team off to a hard start. Kershaw going game one. Rue probably pitches game two. And if they could at least get one of those first two in Milwaukee before heading back out here to L.A., then I think they'll be in pretty good shape. Yeah, it's still crazy to me that the Rockies beat the Cubs and the Cubs and Dodgers aren't playing again in the NLCS for the third straight year, but uh, the Brewers deserve it. Yeah, it's it. a little strange. And the Rockies the Rockies showed up in that wild card game and won, uh, just ran out of gas at the end. But, I, you know, the last thing I'll say about this series, Matt, is that I think it's a lot of important. It's a lot of importance that the Dodgers didn't have to overexert en- energy. Kershaw's not gassed. They didn't face an elimination game where they were just running arms out of their bullpen. I think being fresh might make mm-hmm. a difference here, which is why I think the Dodgers will pull it out, but I'm expecting about six or seven games. I like that prediction. Um, obviously being as biased I am, as I am, but yeah, I'd say I'd be really surprised if it didn't go at least six. I know it'll be a tough one, and I think other than the getting to the uh, starters, yeah, it's really, really key to get at least one of the first two in Milwaukee before coming back out here. You really don't want to dig yourself an early home against a team that can hit that well and whose bullpen has been that dominant. Yeah, it'll be fascinating. Got to got to steal one of those first two wins, you think, and then uh, go from there. But all right, we'll we'll keep it going here. Matt Wittenberg, Money Mitch Effect. Talk about the AL baseball playoffs, and uh, yeah, there's three teams left. And let's start with this. I don't like any single one of them. <laughs> <laughs> it's not, there's nobody left now that the Indians are I know I'm biased I'm an Indians fan but Oakland's out the Indians out the final three remaining teams with the Astros going on or Astros Yankees Red Sox that's uh it's about as bad as it gets for me yeah yeah I mean uh great baseball teams oh for naturally, sure but 
yeah, not super easy to root for. So I'm I'm kind of in the same boat as you are, even though all three have shown to be like probably the best three teams all year long. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean that's that that's acceptable too. I mean the 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 three best teams I think throughout the year of baseball doesn't mean that they're going to win the championship, but that's how it's been. The top three teams in baseball mm-hmm. in the same league, the Astros. Sweep the Indians out of the playoffs. They uh, in, in dominating fashion. Only uh, game two was really close, but they win. They get the sweep. They end the Indian season. And for the Astros side of things, I'm gonna. Th- there's a lot of ways you could start with. They had two players in uh, in this series hit over 500 in, in Bregman and Gonzalez. But to me, even more important than that, even more important than the explosion on offense in game three. I keep looking at this bullpen, and I, and I look at some of the names they left off the postseason roster. There's nobody in baseball that can compete with this, and, and I think if they get a lead, if they get a sizable league, you can pretty much end the game right there. That, that's how good I think this bullpen is. Yeah, they're, they're incredible. Top to bottom, they probably have the best playoff roster. I mean, you look at their bullpen, bullpen they have Lance McCullers and Charlie Morton, two of the better starters from the, this season just raring to go if, in case Verlander or Keuchel or Garrett Cole get in trouble so I mean that's insanely hard to prepare for really tough to compete with and then this team is so hard to outscore you I mean saw firsthand how well that they can punish bad pitching so yeah that was a little bit of disappointment from this last game seeing Trevor Bauer struggle after how good he was this season before getting hurt so that was a little bit of a bummer but yeah it's just I'd say top to bottom, best team, probably favorite right now to repeat. And unfortunately for me, would not would not want to see them in the World Series again. But hey, I mean, Dodgers have to get there first. But yeah, this is a I don't know, a little bit of a murderer's row type lineup to deal with. Yeah, they have to be the favorite right now. Not just saying that because they're in the ALCS and the other two teams are battling it out. But I, I don't. I mean, I completely agree with you that their offense is so hard to outscore. They can generate runs from a 1 to 9. They can manufacture runs. They can just mash. I mean, some of their home runs are just bombs. Uh, they're tough to beat. And when you have starters like Verlander and, and Cole and Keuchel that can go 6, 7 innings, keep the runs low, you know you're going you're gonna to have a chance and, and you're, you're going to have a chance to just set up your bullpen. So, yeah, I, I don't like it. I'm really upset. And uh, the Indians just had just were thoroughly outclassed this entire playoffs, which, by the way, at least maybe if there's a silver lining in this, Matt, it's that now the Indians are forced to address the situations that they were able to just get by with in the Central Division. I think the biggest thing that they learned was, wow, the Astros aren't like playing Minnesota, Kansas City, Chicago, and Detroit. It's a little harder competition. Oh, without a doubt. They skated by what they clinched the division what, by the beginning of September or something like that. It so felt like, It felt like Memorial yeah, Day, but yeah, I think it was September. <laughs> True. A little bit of a different animal in the playoffs. And I mean, they're obviously a really talented team, but just not in the same class as the Astros or the two ALS teams were. So it's going to be interesting. What do you think that their roadmap looks like for the future? Are they going to stick with this core or make a lot more uh, roster changes going forward? I think the core is in place. You, you have young players that, that are important and, and can play big in big moments. So I think the core is still there, but they have to completely overhaul their bullpen. I like their starting pitching, mm-hmm. although I'm a little I'm a little upset with uh, Kluber. I mean, it's a, little, it's a little odd that he's pitched so poorly in some of these last playoff starts, but I think the starting pitching is there. 
the bullpen has to improve, and they need a couple bats at the end of the lineup. We talked about this for the last couple months. They have the Indians one to five, one to six, even were pretty good. Those last three spots were complete liabilities, and I think they're going to have to absolutely make some moves there, get some more bats in the lineup. Unfortunately, that probably means the end of your boy Kipnis uh, playing for the Tribe. So uh, there will be some moves to be made, but. I think the core is there, and I like Frank Kona as a manager. They just didn't have the guns, didn't have the horses to compete at the at the top of the at the with the big boys at the at the table. So, yeah, I think there's going to be some moves that have to be made because they can continue to win the division for the time being, but that's not going to get them into the World Series or into the ALCS the way the the American League is looking. Yeah, you look at how young the Astros and the Yankees and. To a certain extent, the Red Sox are. I feel like those teams aren't going anywhere anytime soon. So. I definitely agree with you on that one. And, yeah, sad about uh, my boy, uh, Kipnis, former Sun Devil, probably uh, saw his last game as a member of the tribe. But, hey, hopefully he lands on his feet somewhere, gets a nice bench spot for some random team, maybe the Padres. I don't, I don't know why. I'm just throwing that out there randomly. Because <laughs> they, they're no, the No rhyme place. or reason, but. Yeah, just, just come to San Diego. <laughs> yeah, who doesn't want to play baseball in San Diego? The team's going to be and bad, you figure but you'll what? enjoy it. <laughs> Andrew Miller probably gone in Cleveland, wouldn't you say? Yeah, and, and that one maybe hurt as much as any because he just hasn't been healthy, you know. And it's mm. hard; you can't really justify paying him what he's going to want, what he's making, if you can't get out on the field and pitch consistently. So yeah, that's a tough one too. He was such a weapon two years ago. I'm not, I'm not in the mindset of the sky is falling. They still have a lot of good young players, Ramirez and Lindor together, and some of those pitchers are are great to have. But yeah. It's going to take some some serious roster tweaking to uh, to get back to the World Series. So it's upsetting. It's upsetting to say the least. And it's even more upsetting that the other divisional series, the last one to talk about, still going on, is Yankees Red Sox. And both of those teams have bright futures. Though the Red Sox, what they did to the Yankees last night, as we record this on Tuesday, was quite the beatdown. I'd have to say that was uh, about as one sided as the game in this rivalry has been. Oh, man, yeah. I mean, Brock Holt, of all people, who hitting the first uh, cycle in postseason history. I mean, Crazy. out of all the players you could pick out of the Red Sox lineup, he's not necessarily the one he would figure for that role. But, hey, you, it's the playoffs. You see random players come through in big moments, and he took advantage of his. Yeah, I can't believe that's the first cycle ever. Like, that, that seems crazy to me, but... Hey, you, you learn something. Really does. You learn something new every day. The Red Sox, to me, and, and props to the Yankees for for building a nice young core and finding, I mean, young hitters. It seems like this is this is so. It almost seems very Dodgers like, right? That the Yankees are able to find some of these young bats that aren't heralded and and put them into the lineup and and play well. But the Yankees are outclassed by the Red Sox in every area except that bullpen. So as I as I talk to some Red Sox fans, I say, what does that lead have to be like for you to feel comfortable? And they said jokingly yesterday about ten runs. Well, they got it yesterday, but if the Yankees are within two, <laughs> and then some. if the Yankees are within two or three runs in the seventh eighth inning, that's when the, the 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 doubt creeps in. So I'm I'm all in on the Red Sox being the better team and should win this series, but that bullpen that, that's going to leave the door open because it is a little shaky still. Yeah, and you mentioned it a little bit earlier about how much the game in the playoffs has shifted to having that bullpen that you can count on in those late game situations. And the Red Sox proved even when they won game one, it was on really shaky ground and Kimbrell gave up that home run in the ninth to judge. So 
it's uh, not a given that they walk away with the series. I think that it probably still ends up going five. I just, I mean, that's not a super unique prediction. I feel like most people figured that going into the series, but even after the beat down last night, those runs <laughs> don't carry over. So no. today's game still starts zero zero. So I could still see it really. I, in fact, I'd be surprised if it ended tonight on uh, Wednesday, Tuesday, whatever day it is now. Um, yeah. No, that's but a good point. How about point. David Price? He's like, terrible. I mean, <laughs> you can't use him as a starter, right? He's going to be relegated to the bullpen. He has to be the rest of the way. Statistically, he's the worst. He's the, he's the, what is it, the, the most unclutch postseason pitcher, I think, in this generation, maybe ever. He's like 0-10 in his last 10 starts. He's so bad. And I, did you see what his contract was? Like how it is exactly worded out? $31 million a year? Oh, no, I haven't. Thirty-one million a year wow. for the next three years after this season, all player options. So he's not opting out of that. Why yeah. would he? <laughs> he's got some agent. Wow. Jeez, is he a Scott Boris guy? I, I don't know specifically, <laughs> but that would make sense. Um, yeah, you can't put him out there. The Yankees, though, oddly enough, Price is kind of stealing the thunder for how bad their starting pitching is and has been. I mean, Severino last night looks like a shell of himself. Um, they the Yankees. That's why this series is so fascinating. It's almost like the first inning of the game sets the tone and maybe ultimately decides it. Because first two innings, I should say, if the Yankee, whoever jumps out on the starting pitching quickly can really set the tone and, and and let their their lineup just wear down the rest of the pitching the rest of the game. So I just this is a fascinating series. I do agree with you. I think it goes five and the Red Sox win, but unfortunately uh, the Astros have to look like a clear favorite over both of these teams based on how they're playing and how they're built oh I'd absolutely agree it's so hard to find a weakness on that team and they have the experience just coming off of winning a tough world series in seven games last year so they've been there done that and I'd be really surprised if they're not back in it this year I mean I hope they're not but I think that's the the way that it's going to shake out and really interested to see how the end of this Red Sox Yankees series shakes out, and if the winning team has to overexert themselves, and if they're going to have anything left for that big ALCS. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be interesting, but we'll see. Dodgers still alive for you. I know you're excited this time of year, but the AL, the same familiar faces that we've been seeing that we've seen uh, for for a couple years now. All right, Matt Winberg, Money Mitch Effect. Before I let you go. We gotta switch sports, and we gotta we gotta address UFC 229. I know, <laughs> I know we were we were we were excited for it. We were we were waiting to see what happens, and it delivered, but maybe not in the way we expected. You were watching this fight, and I know the undercard was great, and it was funny, and, and Derek Lewis is hilarious, and Ferguson and Pettis are crazy, and they try to kill each other. But everybody's <laughs> talking about Connor and Khabib, and the fight did it go the way you expected? And then what was your thought on just everything that happened after? Well, yeah, I mean, a lot to digest there. Uh, a little bit of a boring fight, I'm sure you would agree, through the first couple rounds and not really how we expected it to pan out. I mean, you figured if Khabib was going to win, it would probably be from a TKL. But, uh, yeah, doing that uh, rear naked choke, I mean, he was just dominant ground game like he always does. So, McGregor, I got to figure that the layoff played a little bit into it. I mean, I know he'll never say that it did, but you just, I mean, you can't step out of the octagon for two years and expect to have your same, same swagger and composure in the octagon. So I don't know if it's something with age too, but 
he'll never say that either. So going to be interesting to see what his uh, career like looks like moving forward. Obviously, he's got his whole whiskey venture now, but I mean, I don't think anyone expected the end to pan out the way that it did. It seems a little weird, though, that I guess like trash talking is part of the fight game, but I mean, you can't, you just, I think you feel like you, no matter what the guy says, you have to be above that. You can't take it too seriously, but obviously McGregor got in his head, his corner got in his head, and yeah, a little bit of a a little bit of a reaction there at the end. And it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out with him going forward. If he'll be suspended for a year, what the rumors are, or if he'll be allowed back in the U S so it's uh, a lot to digest there from it. So I, I do have quite a bit to say about this and I'll start with the fight. The fight actually did kind of go how I expected it to. The only chance I thought McGregor had was a quick, it was a quick knockout to get him with his strikes to wear him down with a TKO or a knockout. But Khabib is grappling mm -hmm. is next level. He's probably the best grappler I've seen in this prime in the octagon. Um, just the ability yeah, wrestling to, bears will do that for you. Know, wrestling bears and just being the sambo champion and just being able to take away time and space and 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 just just <laughs> take him down. I mean, it was he, there was that point in the fight where he had he was on top of him, just pummeling him, talking trash, saying "Let's talk now." As he just continued to hit him in the face repeatedly. And there was bad blood, and 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 that kind of gets me into the end of the fight. That well, and I actually I do do want to point out one other thing. I don't think this fight this makes Connor look that bad. Yeah, he could have been a little better. Maybe he was a little rusty, but he lost. He mm -hmm. took the, he lost to one of the greatest of his generation. It's going to go down as an all time great, and took the first round off of him that anybody had ever taken off of Khabib. So it wasn't his best performance, but I think that's more of a testament to Khabib and what he does. That being said. The end of the fight, it was kind of a, kind of an embarrassment. Khabib shouldn't have gone out into the crowd, no matter how mad he gets, and I do think he regrets it in, in the spectacle in the octagon after. But here, here's what I want to say: Khabib is somebody that clearly isn't about trash being talked to him. But whatever, it, whether it's culturally, whether it's just his makeup, how he how he handles himself, that's never been a part of mm -hmm. of what he wants to do and why he gets into the fight game. And so there is no excuse for what happened, his reaction, but, but I'll say this. Anybody that's ever, that's ever played an intense sport, whether you've whether been in a fight or, or whatever, if you poke, and I say bear because he's wrestled bears, but if you poke the bear, things like this could happen. <laughs> so, I, I look, I, I'm not full-on surprised. McGregor is known for this. He's trying to sell fights. I don't think he takes it personally. He obviously doesn't because he didn't press any charges, but... Yeah, not at all. I just think that this is a guy, Khabib, that's not about games, not about talking trash. And I, look, I, I'm not defending it, I'm not condoning it, but this was the, this is the risk you run when you're in when you're in Connor's corner and you're yelling at Khabib and you're making fun of him and you're posting stuff online. I mean, it's a it's a tough. You can call it crazy. You can call him just a badass. Like that's that's just a trained assassin fighter that, as you said, wrestled bears. I'm not fully surprised that he overreacted. I think that's the risk of, of pushing somebody too far. That being said, the UFC has to take some culpability in this, Matt, because they used the dolly throw to promote this fight. So they weren't expecting just a classy like handshake at the end. Like they were I'm not I'm not saying that they're fully to blame, but this is the environment they created. It it kind of meets wrestling a little bit in, in a sense that way. Oh, without a doubt. And I know I'm sure behind closed doors they're uh I won't say thrill, but I mean, I'm sure they're not really complaining about this because, you know, it's only going to build up the anticipation for the rematch. So, I mean, and you know, they'll use this video and the run up to that, like right or wrong. I mean, I guess it is kind of part of the narrative and 
it's a little weird to benefit off of something like this, but you know that's what what's going to end up happening, and you know that it's going to get eyeballs. So yeah. that's just I mean that might say more about society than anything else. <laughs> and I, yeah, and I do think Khabib's coach or uh, Connor's coach, I should say, Kavanaugh. He went on uh, Joe Rogan's show, and he basically said that he didn't have a problem with what Khabib did necessarily. It wasn't that big of a deal. The other stuff, guys getting into the octagon, and we can debate whether McGregor threw first or not. And you know, they, Those guys just shouldn't have been mm-hmm. getting in his face and then ultimately swinging away on a guy who just fought. That part, you don't really. there's really no apology for. There's really no uh, acceptability for. But even Connor's team said, yeah. Not at all. Even Connor's team said, yeah, Khabib probably shouldn't have gone into the crowd, but... The guy he went at, Dylan Dennis, was a, was Connor's jiu-jitsu coach. He'd been saying stuff about him throughout the week. And, and so, I, you know, I think people overreact. Athletes overreact, and it is unfortunate. But McGregor's no saint either. This is the fight game that the UFC has. And I don't know if a rematch is going to happen. I don't think it's going to happen soon, and it shouldn't, because now Ferguson has to fight Khabib. That's the fight that I want to see, mm-hmm. that I think UFC needs, because I think that fight – not necessarily will go in a different direction, different outcome that Connor had, but I like Ferguson's chances more, especially with the, just how crazy he is. Oh wow, yeah, that's that would be a really interesting one too. And then a lot I think has to do with too with any uh, punishment that or suspension that could be faces moving forward from this. So could be a while before we see him fighting again, which would be really unfortunate having another uh, potentially vacated belt. Yeah, but, yeah, here's hoping that it gets resolved sooner rather than later. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be vacated. I, I don't think the suspension will be that long. I remind you, I think I don't think there needs to be a double standard. I feel like what Connor did, throwing the dolly was pretty bad as well. I think he'll, he'll, Khabib will pay his fine and mm-hmm. move on, and, and we'll see. But, yeah, the fight itself, Khabib, what a champion, 27-0. and 0, Did exactly what he said he was going to do. He smashed Connor McGregor, and uh, it was uh, an interesting night, a very violent night, and one that I don't think the UFC is going to forget anytime soon. But Matt Wittenberg, yeah. this was fun. Appreciate you coming on, talking baseball, and uh, hopefully the next time we chat, the Dodgers are in the World Series. <laughs> you know, I'd be all for that. It's the it's one of the teams you're waiting on. It's probably one of the one of the two sports. Them and uh, well, maybe three: the Arizona Cardinals, third, and then Sun Devil football, which isn't so hot this year. But Dodgers are the most realistic, is what I'm trying to say. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, there's nothing like, I mean, you know, full well watching playoff baseball is just, I don't know, a little bit more, a little bit more nerve wracking than watching any other sport just with how much weight there is behind each pitch and how much downtime. So you obviously have a lot of time to think about stuff. So it just the nerves get to you and here's hoping for a pretty nerve free NLCS, but I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, I highly doubt that as well. But Matt Winberg, thanks again for coming on the Money Mitch Effect. All right. You got it, Mitch. All right, huge thanks to Matt Wittenberg. And yes, there is no Game 5 because the Red Sox win both games at Yankee Stadium to win that series three games to one. So it is Red Sox-Astros where the Astros look like the favorite and then Dodgers taking on the Brewers. Final form baseball set. Can't wait to see how that develops. All right, now it's time to talk NFL with Ryan Souls. Ryan's my buddy from college calling in from Chicago. We're going to break down all the games in Week 5. A lot to discuss. A lot of passion. Wait till you hear what he has to say about Blake Bortles. It's Ryan Souls on the Money Mitch Effect. All right, now on the Money Mitch Effect, it's 
to do another NFL Rewind. This time, week five is in the books. Hard to believe we keep flying around this season, but tell me, recap another great weekend of football in the NFL. My buddy Ryan Souls. Ryan, thanks for joining the show. Man, I'm happy to be here. I mean, we're a quarter way through the season. It's crazy, so I'm happy to be talking some football. Yeah, there's a lot in the pecking order to kind of break down and assess, but the first thing I wanted to talk about is we record this on a Tuesday, Ryan, last night. Monday Night Football, the Saints just destroyed the Redskins, but the story of the night, the story of the game, and maybe even the story of the year is what Drew Brees is going to do to the NFL record books. He becomes the all-time leader in passing yards. He's going to catch Brett Favre's touchdown and Peyton Manning's touchdown records. This is a guy that's accomplished a lot, way more than a lot of people gave him credit for. But I think we can all agree, all football fans can agree, that last night was just a cool scene to see Brees break the record on a touchdown celebrate with his family his teammates it was just a special moment in nfl history it really was and i mean like you said i don't think it could have been scripted any better it was on a touchdown throw it was at home in front of those fans i mean he you know he they went up and showed him hugging and kissing his family after the fact so i just think it was it was obviously huge for him and it was huge for the nfl and anybody who's a big fan of sports so it couldn't happen to a nicer guy too i don't think we've ever heard anything you know, negative about Drew Brees. So it's just, I'm really happy for the guy. And it's interesting. I don't want to get into legacy debates, but he isn't talked about as much, definitely as much as he should be for an all-time great quarterback. I think when all is said and done, we can talk about rule changes and, and whether or not, you know, certain systems can benefit quarterbacks. But Ryan, the facts are pretty clear. This guy's a top 10 quarterback of all time. Oh, I definitely think he's a top 10 quarterback of all time. I don't even think, you could find a big debate. I, I think the, the the debate for why we don't talk about Drew Brees is really just the nature of how great his contemporaries were. And, I, you know, it's, it's a shame that he gets punished by that, but when you're sandwiched between Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, and then Aaron Rodgers kind of comes in behind that, Drew Brees got left out for whatever reason. Yeah, it was unfor- it's unfortunate that that's the case, but we all know what settles, what can overcome those issues, and that's championships. And the mm-hmm. Saints team, as I, I mean, I predicted them to go and went, go all the way this year. They they went out and lost the Bucks week one, but since then, four straight wins. This team's a real juggernaut, a real wagon, and somebody that I think is going to be tough to beat, especially at home when the offense is going the way it is, and the defense, which stunk for the first game of the season, is steadily getting a little better. So I think. The Saints team could be could be a huge play in this division. The Falcons are going south fast. The Panthers are, are teetering. They look good one moment, bad the next. Saints clearly look like the favorite in the NFC South, and, and next to the Rams, I think, as good as anybody's looked in the entire NFC. Yeah, I would agree. I just think the Saints are really consistent right now, and I think they figured out, okay, if we're going to get in a shootout with some teams, you know that might be okay, but we're a lot better when we play from ahead. And the Saints playing from ahead, you know, they get up on you and they're just hard to stop because with Drew Brees, and I, I forget what his completion percentage is, but at the at the rate that he's just throwing the ball. He had three with, incompletions with last night. Yeah, that, that's ridiculous. <laughs> so, you know, he puts the ball on the ground three times and you play from ahead. That's a, that's a hard formula to stop. It is. And, I, and so many weapons. Mark Ingram back last night, two touchdowns. Kamara is killing Michael Thomas, who has got the best rate. He's had the most catches in the first two years of anyone's career, of any receiver's career, Ryan. But he's also got the best uh, efficiency rate in terms of targets to catches. So 
just unbelievable stuff there for him and this whole team. But on the flip side, the Redskins get destroyed. The defense doesn't show up, yet they're in first place in the NFC East. So right. if, if everybody's wrong on one prediction, it's just how pedestrian, below average, that entire NFC East looks. I agree. I mean, my team included. Uh, mm. You know, I'm sure we'll talk about the Eagles later. But, no, the Redskins just didn't look that good at all. And, you know, I think most of us, Drew Brees breaking the record or not, predicted that the Saints probably were going to win that game. But just the way in which they won that game, and I think going to the season, you heard some experts talking about how the Redskins defense, not necessarily great, but underrated, could give some teams some fits. And that just wasn't the case at all. I mean, Drew Brees could have been playing against us out there. <laughs> yeah, it looked like it. It looked like they all just stopped playing on the record-breaking play. But mm-hmm. we'll talk about your Eagles now because they lose to the Vikings, a Vikings team that was in need of a big win, and they got one. They win 23-21 to at Philadelphia. Vikings 2-2-1 two, two and one on this season. The Eagles drop to 2-3. and three. A lot of different ways you can we can look at this. I want to start with the defending champs. Jay Ajayi is out for the year now with the torn ACL. But, Ryan, there's some, some serious issues with this team in two areas to me. They look a little sluggish on offense. They're never really good starters. I've noticed that. They've always kind of been slow out of the gate. But on the back end, that secondary does not look good. I don't remember it being overly strong last year, but there are some weaknesses. Adam Thielen and Kirk Cousins, that duo, was just carving up the Eagles secondary. I still expect them to right the ship given how bad the division is, but a lot to work on after five games. Oh, definitely a lot to work on. And I think even before I briefly, before I talk about that, or this past Sunday, I just briefly touch on kind of the beginning of the season because this team and the pieces around it, the things that the calling cards of the Eagles, even with with Nick Foles in the lineup, you didn't see that calling card from the defense. You didn't see it from just the high power, the production, the third downs. So I think just before even inserting Carson Wentz into the mix, something just wasn't right. And just fast forwarding to the Vikings, I think that secondary had already been exposed, to be honest with you, even at points last year. I just think the front seven was so good and covered it up um, mm-hmm. because I think, you know, the I think the Eagles really were a prime example last year that you can win a Super Bowl without a great secondary. Yeah, you, you need just get to the QB first. Exactly. If you have a ridiculous front seven and can rush the pass and speed up the time and the quarterback decision-making process and can do that at a high level with the rotation of nine defensive line guys that I think they had last year, that's not a calling card for them this year. And when you can't convert on third down, which is another calling card, and you can't get offenses off the field – that's why you're two and three, and that's why your two wins weren't even that decisive. No, they weren't. And, and yeah, you could look at it a bunch of ways. The Eagles were in every game they lost, but the two games they won, like you said, weren't decisive. So every game could have had a different outcome. Two and three seems about normal for what for what they've played like. I think Wentz is. It, it, we talked about this before. It's foolish to think he's just going to come back and be the MVP right away. The guy had a major injury. It's going to take some time, and not just a major injury. He just walked down to the practice field and then got cleared and started. So it's not like he had a lot of time in the summer to work the rust off. I just I look at the Eagles team, and I think they still have strengths. Even with a running back injury, they can still figure it out. Peterson can be a little better in calling plays, but I don't think they're that far off considering how bad the division is. The Vikings needed this game. If they drop to 1-3-1, and one, that's huge for them. You know, I know the schedule's been tough, but they couldn't afford to lose this game. They came out and played well. One note on them. 
I don't think the defense is as good as last year, but how about Ryan, a guy that needs a lot of credit, Adam Thielen, NFL record, five straight 100-yard games to start the season. It had never been done before, undrafted out of Minnesota State. Just another another great example of a guy that was written off by everybody who just continues to just break down barriers. Absolutely. And this guy is just a, a matchup problem. I mean, and the, the five straight games of 100 yards is not a fluke because who if you're, if you're the defense, who do you put on him? I mean, because he's not extremely fast, but he's faster than a linebacker. And his routes and he, are his routes are great. I mean, he just are, finds are great. space exactly. And when somebody like Adam Thielen is running an option route, the defense can never be right. No. So he's no. going to read the coverage. Kirk Cousins is going to know where Thielen is going to go based on the coverage, and the defense will always be wrong. So if they can exploit that, that that offense get it really you you turn what we thought about that team kind of on its head where the offense could end up being better than we thought and the defense isn't as good. And I don't know, and I'll ask you, Mitch, do, can you point it all to Everson Griffin not being there or was just defense just kind of mm. overhyped from that loss to the Eagles? The secondary, too. And I think that goes back to what you were saying about the Eagles. Griffin is a huge loss, but the secondary was not as good as advertised, maybe had some weaknesses that are getting exposed because you're not bigger. getting to the quarterback. Much uh, bigger names than the Eagles, for sure. Right. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. But uh, I don't think they're all checked in. We saw that a little bit in the Rams game where there's some frustration there. So we'll see. I mean, both both these teams, the, the rematch of the NFC Championship game, and both teams are going to have to have a lot of work to get back to that game. Ryan Soles on the money, Mitch Effect. Though here's something that I think will cheer you up. The Sunday night football game was one of the worst, was one of the most poor played games I've ever seen. Cowboys and Texans, and the Cowboys lost nineteen to sixteen in overtime. I, I'll start with it. What what is Jason Garrett's? What is he doing? Punting it in overtime well, with six minutes left, well, basically know, at the forty yard line. It's funny you say that because you know you you say I was I was happy and I was, but it was bittersweet because based on that Jason Garrett call. Jerry Jones could have fired him on the spot, and if they get any competent coach in there, I'm in trouble. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so yeah, I, yeah. you know, I, that's kind of what I what I was worried about. But going back to you know your question, you you got let's just face it. I'm not a Cowboys fan, but Ezekiel Elliott is the best running back in the league. He's the youngest running back in the league. He's got the highest ceiling, and he's showing he can catch the ball out of the backfield. You can throw Gurley in there, probably him one. Um, and Zeke, you know, 1A. But I always thought Zeke was better than Le'Veon Bell, and that's no shade to Le'Veon Bell. I right. just, if I'm going into a cold-weather game, I'll take Ezekiel Elliott. And you don't give it to him on your opponent's 40, was it 42? Yeah, I mean, uh, in with, six with minutes left, too. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, you know, and I always forget this, too. I don't know if this has happened to you, Mitch, but overtime, I have to be reminded that it's 10 minutes. It's not 15. Right, new so change. It, yeah, so if you give the ball away with six minutes left, are you playing for a tie? Yeah, I, I mean, that's – look, there's a lot of ways to look at it. My, my biggest thing is I don't know if they're necessarily playing for a tie or not, but you have the best running back in football, arguably, and still, even with injuries, one of the best lines in football. You need a uh-huh. yard. You should be able to yep. go get it at any I part agree. in the field. And we saw the Rams win a game by going for a fourth and one with a quarterback mm-hmm. sneak earlier in the day. Exactly. Yeah, and even if you want to do that, run run the read option. Run put put Dak and Zeke in a read option. Other than other than just DeAndre Hopkins, just insane game. 
the Texans weren't doing anything to let you know that they were going to win this game regardless anyway. I mean, they had the ball four times. They had the ball, I think, four times inside the five-yard line, came away with three field goals out of it. So the Texans were trying to give you the game if you're the Cowboys. They were fortunate enough to win. I don't really like what I've seen out of Deshaun Watson this year. I don't know if that's necessarily because of the players around him without having a running game and Bill O'Brien not exactly doing a great job. But, hey, the Texans could be 0-5. They got some very fortuitous bad coaching uh, from the other sideline, and they're 2-3, and three, so they'll take it. But I, I, the Cowboys losing this game is just inexplicable to me given the Ezekiel Elliott advantage. He was running well last game. Dak didn't play poorly. you got to come away with a win here, and that falls directly on the head coach in my opinion. I agree. You definitely got to come away with the win, and it's just, yeah, it was just sad because Ezekiel Elliott, he he's gonna get that first down. Yeah, he should. He absolutely should. Uh, I do want to mention the last team in that division, the Giants. They lost a, a very heartbreaking loss to the Panthers, thirty-three to thirty-one. This game had a little bit of everything. It had the cliche Odell Beckham meltdown. He actually threw for a touchdown pass. Um, the Giants came back. Saquon Barkley looked good, but. Carolina drives late, and Graham Gano, 63-yard field goal. Finally, some clutch kicking in the NFL, and then some for Gano. I, I still don't know what, what to make of the Panthers, Ryan. I'll start there because they're 3-1, and one, but I feel like they are having to win close games that they don't need to be in, if that makes any sense. They're, giving, they're making it harder for themselves, and you saw that in this game, which they should have probably coasted to a victory. Instead, they just have to make things hard for themselves. Yeah, I agree. They definitely make things hard for themselves. And I really can't pinpoint exactly why. I think in the past you could say, okay, Cam Newton's maybe being too erratic with the football or he's running it too much and that maybe the down distance is too bad for their offense. But to me, Cam actually looks decent at, with North Turner system. The Carolina defense, I think, isn't as good as it has been in years past, but it seems like that's a team where if they get rolling and figure it out, you don't want to play them in November and December. No, and I, and it's the big place, right? I mean, de- off defensively, they did pretty well for most of the game. It was a long mm-hmm. pass to Barkley. It was the reverse, the receiver pass by Beckham. They got right. to cut those big plays out, especially when they're in that division playing the Saints twice, the Falcons again. I mean, they're gonna they're gonna be up against it, but the Giants. I, I don't know about this team, Ryan. I mean, they're not the talent isn't nearly as as poor as it was last year, but there's just too <laughs> there's too many. It seems like me first ego players on this team, and that's Absolutely. what I notice. Yeah, and you know, I don't know if you. Well, I hope you wouldn't remember this, but I'm sure you do. I actually picked this team to make the playoffs mm. just because I was I was just very very impressed with what I thought that offensive output could be, and I thought the defense was underrated. But this team, I mean, Eli can't throw the ball beyond 20 yards, and I'm not just quoting Odell Beckham Jr. I mean, it's the truth. Saquon Barkley's for real, but I don't think he's had really a clean backfield to work with too much this season. Right. Can I just say one thing? Beckham yeah. wasn't wrong, but you don't say that in public. Oh, no, you can't say that. I, I mean, mean that's you can't just, say anything of what he said. It's just, it's, I mean, it's... If it's, I'm Landon Collins, if I'm Snacks Harrison, like I, I got a problem with this dude. I mean, you keep that in house. You don't. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like, I don't know what has ever historically been a good thing from speaking to the media like that and saying no. that with that. So that's my my issue with Odell. We know he's talented. We know he's got Hall of Fame once in a generation talent, 
And, and, mm-hmm. and yes, the Giants probably made a huge mistake. I like Barkley, but you can get running back value elsewhere. They probably should address address the quarterback position. But you can't be you can't be throwing your teammates under the bus like that. And uh, defensively, they they need some work too. But look, the division is always is still winnable. I don't expect the Giants to win it. But this Thursday night game against the Eagles is for the season. Mm, no, it is. I mean, it really is, and it could be for both of our seasons, to be honest. Well, Ryan, as we move along here on the Money Mitch effect, I gotta say it wasn't the prettiest, but I'm pretty excited that the Browns are two two and one, beating the Ravens in overtime, in spite of. In spite of coaching and special teams. Right. And, you know, I've watched, I've tried to watch as, as much as you guys this year as I can, just because I'm just so excited from the talent prospect of just watching them. And I, I'll say this, they, they there's still some Browns boneheaded plays, mm-hmm. but yep. I've never, I haven't in a long time seen a team with the effort and the coordination and the organizational aptitude uh, as opposed to ineptitude in the past. Well, that um, defense is nice, man. That is a very good it, defense. And, it is. And, and it's not and, just Miles Garrett, Denzel Ward. I want to formally apologize to any doubts that I had <laughs> about him. Oh, I him. do too. Because, well, you know what I said, and, and, I, and I'll apologize on the same thing. with, And I wasn't killing Baker Mayfield, but you know I said I would have drafted Bradley Chubb number one. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and Baker is answering the bell, still having his rookie, his rookie woes as all rookies are going to have. But... With the way this team looks, and even how they looked against the Ravens, just just to, the way they fought, to be honest with you, I'm not the hugest fan of Hugh Jackson, but he seems like if there's not chaos ensuing, he's not going to turn the situation chaotic, and he hasn't done that. Yeah, you know what I'm, you know what no, I'm saying. I, I know what you, I know what you're saying, and, and I think part of it is having Haley there on the sideline to basically not let he do that is, yeah might be part of it i was under the i mean my my thoughts during the end of that game was if we lose that game or even tie it it's an embarrassment to what the defense did offensively mm-hmm. you know and I, I know they had bad field position the whole first half of the game but it, it but it was a gem of a defensive performance and you owed your defense that win baker made plays through for over 300 yards in that game but it was finally balancing some run plays out and just just coming up big when they needed to. It was a shank of a game-winning field goal, but the Browns will take it. They're a team that was in all five of their games, too, so I know you're not going to win all those games, but um, another another great win. The state of that division, I told you at the beginning of the year, Ryan, that it wasn't the best division. It wasn't as good as it had been in years past. Mm-mm. I still you're think good. that, I still think that, but I do think the Bengals are clearly that team now. I know it's the Bengals, and, and, and that team, and, and being the best team in that division might be 10-6 and six this year, mm-hmm. but I, I will give them credit because we know the Steelers are in a disaster state. The Ravens are, are just about what they were, an average football team. Bengals beat the Dolphins 27-17, and, and what stood out to me, Ryan, wasn't the win, but it was coming back from 17 nothing. Even against a team like the Dolphins that is prone to, to struggling and choking, I don't know that old Bengals teams would have done that. You know, I don't know that they fall down early and they, they, they would have been able to rally. Yeah, I, and I agree with that, and it's just so hard still for me to – press forward on them harder because of the playoff track record and we've seen what they do down the stretch but right. so far I mean we can't 
well, we can't judge what we've seen based on future predictions, but just on if you take these first four games in a vacuum, Cincinnati has looked really good. AJ Green, the really the quiet receiver out of the top receivers, has reminded us um, that we we need to pay attention to him more. Well, here's my counter to that, Ryan, is that the AFC, and you can maybe even say this for football, is down. Like, it, it doesn't look as strong as it has in years past. So oh, is, defense is down. Yeah, so there is a void. Well, I would say quality teams we looked at that can make the Super Bowl. Patriots are always going to be in there. The Chiefs, Jacksonville, yeah. depending on if you want to you know, reinvest in Bortles, which I don't think you do. So there is oh. an opening. And you know, with the Steelers not being there, too, there's an opening. I like Bill Wazer, the new offensive coordinator. He's gotten the best out of Andy Dalton in his career. And mm-hmm. having Joe Mixon might be the best running back that Green and Dalton have ever had. So I think there's something to be said there. Um for this team, I, I do. I, I just, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm not, I'm not positive it's going to last, but I know that there isn't a, a main threat in that division. Maybe it's the Browns are the second best team. I mean, it, it sounds crazy to say, but with what the Steelers have done, I know they won this week. That defense still has serious issues, it and Le'Veon Bell cloud isn't going away. So, I think you're in for a lot of close games, a lot of dog fights in this division. I agree. No, so it's going to be a fun division to watch, and it already has been. Ryan Souls on the Money Mitch effect, what we saw in that Dolphins game. We also saw in the Jaguars game two pick six or two interceptions off of linemen's faces. Blake Bortles, man, had a poor game that, that came back down to earth. But the Chiefs stay undefeated. That's what we know about Kansas City. Mahomes keeps going. He didn't have his best game, but he played well enough to win this game. I'm gonna I'm not gonna play devil's advocate and tell you that Bortles is a great quarterback, Ryan, but with Leonard Fournette getting injured, and, and again, this kid just cannot stay healthy. Bortles threw the ball 61 times. I had to recheck the box score. I, I know Bortles is, I know Fournette's out, but why were you having him throw the ball that many times? I agree 100%. And I'll say this, and I could be wrong. Well, well kind of two little small things. One, I think 15 years ago, the Jaguars kind of were the, if you didn't have a quarterback, that's the ideal team you want. The Kansas City Chiefs is the exact opposite with the quarterback and the high-powered offense, no defense, and that just suits today's NFL so much better than if we were to drop a team such as, like, the 2000 Ravens or, you know, teams with just really, really good defenses with no quarterback in a league today. Mm-hmm. I think we're kind of seeing a microcosm of what could have potentially happened is that might hurt, as much as that might hurt some people's feelings. The second thing I'll say is the only reason the Jacksonville Jaguars don't have a potential dynasty on their hands is because <laughs> they gave Blake Bortles an extension this summer. Oh, and, I'm, wow. and, and I'm not even trying to be facetious. No, I know. They, they, signed, they signed away Super Bowl appearances by giving him $50 million because he – when I when I saw him throw the ball off the lineman's head, that, I mean – Mitch, he's terrible. He 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 holds the team he he holds the team back just so much in such a way. And the defense, granted, didn't play well. Jalen Ramsey bit off a little more than he could chew with Tyreek Hill because Tyreek ran him out of the stadium. But like you see, you hit the nail on the head. If you were to say before the even game starts that I don't care who they're playing, that Blake Bortles got to throw the ball sixty-one times, they're going to lose. Yeah, I 
I'm not going to that, – that is a little strong, I think, but, <laughs> but I see what you're saying. I, I don't think he's great, obviously. No breaking news there. This was bad. He has bad games like this, but he can be at, he can be mediocre. That's the nicest thing I can say. And the Jaguars need to score first, it almost seems like, right? Like if they fall behind by two scores, they're not going to yeah. come back. But well, if they, they get a lead and they can just play that simple formula – it's funny, Bortles normally does play better when Fournette's not in the lineup, so maybe he will play better this week. The Chiefs are a great team with a, with an average to slightly above average defense, but when you well, have to go against that offense, I mean, I don't care how good your defense is, that offense is going to score some points on you and wear you down a little bit. So, You um, said Blake plays better when Fournette's not in the lineup, right? His stats are better when no, Fournette's in uh, It's and crazy. I, and I can, no, and I can tell you what, no, I, I think it makes perfect sense. Okay. And when, when you have Fournette in the game, the team knows, the defense knows they're going to load the box to stop him. They want Blake Bortles to beat them. When Blake Bortles, is, I mean, when TJ Yeldon is in the game or a different back, now the defense has to defend the entire field. So you can scheme one-on-one easy throws for Blake Bortles. You right. can scheme, you can scheme five-yard throws and let the guys run. But when you put eight in the box and just say, okay, Blake Bortles beat me, he's not going to. <laughs> yeah, it's just not a it's not a, a long term plan to not play well when your number one running back is there. But they're gonna have to fix it. I mean, that division with the Titans losing to the Bills and the Texans not being great, neither are the Colts. I mean, the Jags are still the class of that division, but they can't have a lot of games like this. They've they've had two just dreadful losses this year, so it remains to be seen. Ryan Souls on the money, Mitch effects. Uh, before we before we end this week five NFL rewind. The Chiefs are undefeated. Do you think they're the best team? Do you think they're better than the Rams right now? Because I would have said no going into this week. But the Rams looked a little vulnerable, especially on defense against the Seahawks. The Rams definitely look vulnerable uh, against the Seahawks. I, You know what? If you made me pick, I would probably pick Kansas City just because the Rams' defense hasn't been nearly as good as advertised. But I could definitely see by December because Wade Phillips gets his defenses playing really well towards the middle, towards the end or at the end of the season. If his team is playing really well, I could see the Rams sort of pass them. But right now, I think it is the Chiefs. I'd still say Rams, but very, very slightly. And they played awful. There's no sugarcoating it. They, it they was did. a terrible defensive performance. A great job. Maybe one of the best games Jared Goff's ever played, including his last last week's game, considering that he had to score points and he lost two of his top three receivers, Cooks and Cup, to concussions. Still mm-hmm. played very well. What was Marcus Peters doing? Like you watch that game and it's like he's freelancing out there. I, I, don't, I don't, I don't, I don't yeah. understand what that is. Russell Wilson is a great quarterback, a top five quarterback. But Ryan, some of the throws I think me and you could have made. The guys were just wide open, waiting in the end zone for the ball, oh. blown coverages. So, right, right. I, I don't expect that to keep going. Tlaib will come back. Uh, they're the Seahawks are gamers, and that that is kind of a rivalry game still, even with uh, the injuries in Seattle and then their decline. But I would still say Rams slightly, but it, it's not what I thought it was last week. And the Rams are beatable. Every team in the NFL is beatable. They have to show up the defense. They cannot. We know this every year. They cannot rely on the Rams to score on their offense to score 30 a game. I know they no. they likely can, but all it takes is one game where the offense just isn't firing on all cylinders, and they could be out in the playoffs. I agree. And, Mitch, I ask you this. Why don't you think, especially with that front four, they haven't been able to generate more pressure? With Donald, Sue, Brockers, 
Yeah, you I mean, think. that's it's very fascinating. I do think some of the protections, at least for Seattle and Minnesota, were keeping guys in to defend them. Uh, yeah. But let's give credit to Russ in this game, too, because if there's anybody that's got – I mean, he's got the best escapability oh, in all of football. He does. I mean, he does. But part yeah, of that, and part of that, too, not to cut you off, but part of that was Carson was running up, running up a storm. And I think what we saw in this Seattle game was if you wear down the Rams by running the ball – they're kind of mm-hmm. on their heels a little bit. So you have to have a run game to have any chance to beat the Rams because you can't yeah, just definitely. sit back and throw. Yeah, yeah, because the pass rush can't get downhill when you're running the ball. Absolutely. No, no. so it'll be it'll be fascinating. But last thing I wanted to bring up, and I know it's one team we haven't talked about, but I'm not giving up yet on the Chargers. I know they play my Browns this week, but, Ryan, they're 3-2. and two, And hear me out. Their only two losses are to the undefeated teams. <laughs> you're right. And I was going to bring the Chargers up. I'm just still not sold, man. I mean, they got they got all the talent. I mean, all, literally all the talent. I mean, Ke- Keenan Allen oh, yeah. is is phenomenal. I'm so glad Melvin Gordon actually came on because those first two years were suspect for how high he was drafted. And the names on that defense uh, are great, but I just don't trust him to put it all together when he counts. Here's what I'll say though, right? They're three and two. Mm-hmm. Joey Bosa's missed a lot of games. Yes. You also have the fact that they usually start out one and four <laughs> every season. This is so, true, and they and they, and they finish so strong. Yeah. So I'm I'm of the believer that given the chance to finish strong again, get a healthier defense back, and Eckler too. I think that's another big addition to this offense. He's really good. Gordon doesn't have to be the bell cow. Rivers loves to throw him the ball. I'm not saying they're better than the Chiefs. I'm not saying that they're surefire anything. But they look like a wild card team right now. And, you know, I can't disagree with that. I can't. So we'll see. I mean, I I think this is going to be a wild race in the playoffs. The last thing I'll ask you going off is you look at teams like the Patriots, teams like the Eagles, and, and, and look, there's only two undefeated teams. And there is only what one. There's no teams with no losses either. So you have a couple one and four teams, but not many there. A lot of mediocrity through five games of the season. Still hard to differentiate who's great and who's not. Yeah, a lot of mediocrity. And I think, you know, this is really that second or maybe third straight year of that trend where we're seeing where, you know, teams are using the first four, week, first four weeks as an extension of the preseason. Um, so it's just because who would have thought that after three games, Miami would have been three and all. Just looking at that roster, top to bottom, and I, I'm not trying to take anything away from Miami, but I think we start looking at some of these teams in November and December when you get into the meat of your schedules and teams are jockeying for a position. You know, that's when we start to see the Patriots really kicking a gear. That's when we see you know some of these other teams start to go on runs, and some of these teams that we might see now at the top of their division now, you know, might fall off when you know, be getting the thick of things. So it's been interesting for sure. It really has. It's only going to get more interesting from here. See if it's familiar faces or new ones come the NFL meet of the schedule. But we're in the mm-hmm. fall. It's getting a little colder uh, on most parts of the country. So we'll see what happens as the football picks up. Ryan Souls, this was fun as always. We'll be chatting again during the regular season. But thanks for coming on the Money Mitch Effect to talk some football. Of course, man. Thank you for having me.
Huge thanks to both Ryan Souls and Matt Wittenberg for coming on today's show. Thanks to Brian Nelson for supplying the logo and Tim Adams for supplying the beat. A reminder that the Money Mitch Effect can be found on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google Play. We also have a Facebook page, Money Mitch Effect is the title of that, so check us out there. And another reminder, every Friday, Running With The Money, another podcast hosted by myself, along with Ken Brown and Matt Gothard, breaks down mostly college football, but we also dabble into some other things. Last week, we talked a little NHL futures. Hope you got on the Maple Leafs and uh, Austin Matthews there. And hope you didn't listen to my college football advice because it was a rough week. But those things happen. Running With The Money, great podcast. Those guys give good advice as well. And yeah, we're 4-1-1 and on our moneymaker pick for a lock of the week. So mostly just following Alabama, but... Yeah, we're still 4-1-1. Great record there. But thanks again to Ryan Souls and Matt Wittenberg. This was the Money Mitch Effect. Until next time, just keep enjoying sports.